Hello there, I'm Damon Nichols, and this is the Breakout Podcast, the podcast where we talk to high-level individuals who have gone through the stuff. They've, they've been there, they've done that, uh, they've uh, achieved uh, high goals in their lives, they've you know been, been down to those lows, and uh, they pulled themselves out. We talk with people about how they did it, their journey, and their successes. So today I have a guest. That I had the honor of um, being able to meet and speak with at a, an event out in Florida uh, a couple of weeks ago with uh, Nick Santos Tanaso, a speaker training, and she's got a very powerful story. She's gone through a lot in her life and came through on, and now she's on the other side, and she's a, a successful entrepreneur, coach. She's helping people in so many different ways, and I'm really honored to welcome Nicole Poulton. Nicole? Thank you so much. I'm yeah, really excited to, to be here. So, um, yeah, yeah I'm, well, I'm glad I'm, to have you. I've, I've been seeing you. some of the stuff that you're doing, and it's very powerful. And I know you've got a lot to offer. So, uh, thank you for being on here and welcome. So, first of all, I just want to talk about uh, you spent a lot of years in addiction and recovery. So, kind of what does that look like for you? Yeah. So, um, I think, I mean, addiction looks different for everyone. Right. And, um, mine is, is one that I think a lot of people can relate to. I suffered an injury and because of that, I got a prescription to narcotics. Um, and you know, just trust in the doctors. I was young when I got the prescription. And so, looking up to that authority figure of the doctor saying, yeah, go ahead and take these. I had no reason to question it. And, um, I got addicted to pills for six years. Um, it, it started off, you know, very innocent and taking the pills as prescribed, <laughs> but then I, I was, I realized I was actually numbing a lot of the emotional pain that I had gone through. Um, leading up to that. And so I didn't stop when I should have. And, um, it just escalated from there going into harder stuff, um, ultimately leading to an overdose. And then that's kind of what, what motivated me to get clean and, uh, realizing that this is literally life or death now. So. All right. So yeah. I guess, uh, what was the, what was the point where you decided that that was, you know, you needed to make that change in your life. What was the deciding factor? Yeah. So, um, uh, it was actually my 21st birthday. I had some friends that we all decided to celebrate. We're going to go to Vegas. And, um, so there were six of us who were hanging out and we were there for, um, like two and a half days, three nights or something like that. And, um, I typically didn't mix my pills with drinking, like drinking always made me feel really, not good. <laughs> and so I wasn't a fan of hangovers, so I didn't drink often, but, um, in Vegas, it's kind of like, we had this idea of like, we're going to go hard. It's going to be awesome. And so I started mixing my pills with drinking and, uh, on the last day was like the day we were going to go all out. And so I was taking more pills than normal and drinking with that. And then on the way to the club, um, everyone 
you know, they're all excited. I'm just over there focusing, like really trying not to get sick. I was really broke at the time. And so my thought process went to like, I can't afford the cleaning fee in the Uber. (laughs) And so then I was just really trying not to throw up. We get to the club and the base is so strong that I couldn't, I couldn't stand on the sidewalk outside of the club. It was so bad. So we called another Uber and I went back to the hotel. Everybody else went and partied that night. And I'm in the hotel. Uh, my boyfriend had come back now husband. My boyfriend was asleep because he had been drinking all day. So he just went to bed and I was overdosing by myself in the bathroom. And I had this out of body experience, just like kind of hovering above looking at what was going on. And I realized like, this is not my life. I choose something else. I had this wild epiphany realizing that I can actually have a different life than the path that I was going down. And so then, you know, finishing up that night, that was a, that was a Saturday night. Sunday was flying home. Monday took a break. And then I was using again by Tuesday. So I was, I realized that, okay, this wasn't just a party event. This is something that I'm actually struggling with in my life. And, um, I was alone in my apartment. My, my boyfriend, had gone to work. So he's out of town. I'm alone in my apartment on a Tuesday morning. It was like nine 30 and I had just like snorted like three pills. And I'm like, what am I doing? I was in the bathroom. And so I made eye contact with myself in the mirror and I didn't recognize myself. And I just thought like, this is a problem and I need help. And so that was the last day that I used. Um, and I, you know, I told my boyfriend my problem because I was able to hide it very well. Um, he knew that I had a prescription and I was taking pills, but he didn't know that I was crushing them and snorting them and that I was taking way more than prescribed. Like he had no idea. And so um, kind of opening up and having that honesty of that I needed to get help was was really what uh, shifted things for me. Yeah, that's a that's a big one when you when you can actually start becoming honest and owning that and being like, Hey, I got a problem. You know, I think that's the, that's the first step is when you realize I got a problem and it's out of control. And when you start telling people and letting people know, just acknowledging that. So that's good. Um, I really want to, uh, touch on or, or kind of go down, you know, what led you to using it wasn't just, you know, an overnight thing. I, I think, you know, there's probably some other issues, beyond that, like uh, some childhood issues? Did you have, you know, some traumatic experiences happen to you in your childhood? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I like to say that the addiction that we suffer is the solution to a deeper problem, right? It's a quick fix. And so for me, um, I had access because of breaking my back. Um, I was in a skiing accident and had just this awful injury, uh, which gave me access to the pills. But when I was growing up, my childhood was, was very rough. And I think that that's why my addiction lasted so long. Cause I was actually numbing the emotional side, the emotional pain that I was going through, um, growing up from the age of five to 15, I was sexually assaulted or abused by my dad. Um, so with that living in a house with a narcissist, there was the sexual abuse, verbal abuse, you know, physical, like the whole mess of it. And, um, 
when it starts so young, like I didn't know that it was not normal. I thought that every kid had a, like just kind of a weird relationship with their parents or, or something, you know, like I had no idea. And, um, but there was no sense of self and there was um, just this tremendous pain that I was going through emotionally. And I was very depressed and I had, you know, like no control over my life. So that stemmed into eating disorders and um, I had, you know, suicidal thoughts and tendencies and there was just a lot of pain there. And so then breaking my back was actually very freeing because um, you can't molest someone who has a broken spine, you know, like I'm like in this massive back brace and I can't move at all. And so that really saved me from the abuse that I was experiencing. And, and how old were you at that time? Yeah, I was 15 when that happened, when I broke my back. Oh, wow. So, yeah. yeah, so that was, um, it was the greatest day and one of the worst days of my life because it freed me of the abuse, but then it just kickstarted my addiction. Um, and I really do like being on this other side of it. I look back and I think that everything that I went through happened for a reason and there's levels to it. Right. And so going through the sexual abuse, that's obviously very traumatic and to get through that and get through my adolescence of living with my abuser, I had to be numb. I had to take drugs to get through it. Otherwise, like I would have committed suicide. I would not have been able to make it through. And so I look at breaking my back as such a blessing because it gave me a way to escape from the terrible stuff that I was going through. And then it just kept going and spread past, you know, I'm, I'm no longer living at home and I'm still doing the drugs. And so then it realized, like, I realized like, okay, this is now a different problem and I need to solve that. And so, um, if I were to just never have had the drugs, you know, like, I don't know what would have happened. It would have been just an awful experience, obviously trying to go through all of that and understanding what's going on. Um, so it's like, I don't have that guilt for, for doing all the drugs. Like it was there for a purpose. And then once I recognized that it no longer served me, that's when I knew that it needed to make a change. Right. So I'm sure you probably carried around uh, a really bad self-image. You, you painted a, a bad picture yourself and there was probably a lot of shame and, and, and guilt and stuff that you know, was caused by that. And, you know, can you, can you talk a little bit about that and, you know, how you, how you perceived yourself through all of that? Yeah, I had, I had, not only was it a negative self-image, I had no self-respect. I had, um, a lot of like false confidence where I had to be very hardened on the outside. So I, you know, was able to stand up for myself, but deep down I hated myself. Um, I think that growing up and being sexually abused, it really put a focus on, on my appearance. And if I, you know, started gaining weight or whatever, it would be a very big topic of conversation with my, with my family. And so I think that that in and of itself is really rough for like a, a teenage girl going through this of being criticized by their dad that 
you know, they're gaining weight or whatever. And so that was really hard. But then on top of that, not feeling like I ever had any control over my life. Um, my food was the only thing that I could control. And so I would go days and sometimes weeks without eating anything because it gave me that feeling of um, certainty and significance of like, this is something that I can't control. And so I'm going to. And um, then with the eating disorders came like body dysmorphia. And, you know, I never really could tell what I looked like because I never I couldn't recognize myself in the mirror. And I think there's just a lot that comes with that. And it wasn't until like I got sober and started getting help professionally that I was able to actually reconnect with myself. And it it was like a lot of inner child work that I had to do to be able to start like healing that inner self and um, developing that self-respect. And now it's like, it's night and day difference from what I was to where I am now. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it was definitely, definitely a challenge. How do you, how do you feel about your dad now? Um, now I'm actually very grateful for him. I have done a lot of work around this area. Um, I have been involved in like the Tony Robbins atmosphere, that world. And so, uh, there was an, there was a, um, exercise that we did called effectively blaming. And so, Um, typically when someone harms us in some way, we blame them for all the bad that comes of that. So that was very easy to do for my dad and, you know, blaming him for all of this trauma that I carried and blaming him for all of the, you know, the, the evil stuff that he did. And, um, then it wasn't until that exercise where I had to recognize the good that has come out of everything and then effectively blame him for the good as well. So one of the things that I like to credit him for is my marriage. Like I am absolutely in like the best marriage possible. And it's because when I was growing up, I saw the way that my dad treated my mom. And I knew that is the exact, like, that is exactly what I don't want. So he painted this image of what not to do. (laughs) And so I went out and I found the opposite. And so I, I have to effectively blame my dad because, because of his example that he set, I knew exactly what I didn't want. And so finding a husband that, you know, respects me and respects himself and is just, you know, very communicative and very loving. And I, I definitely credit my dad for that. And, um, I, I was also raised like very entrepreneurial and, you know, open-minded to question everything. And so I think there's a lot of good that came out of that. Um, but that being said, he and I don't speak. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's good that you, you, you saw that and recognize that because a lot of people don't, they, they'll continue to attract those kind of people in their lives. And then they, then they continue to go down that same cycle of abuse with their mm-hmm. husbands or boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever it is. And then they, they get out of this one and they go back. And even when it's really bad, they, they still continue to, you know, stick up for this person or, or, or oh, it's okay. He's not going to do it again. He's changed. I, I see that, but it looks like you kind of went down a different path. So that, yeah. that's good. One other thing is uh, where was your mom and how, how did she fit into this? And, you know, what was going on with her? Yeah. So she was there. Um, my parents got married very young and, um, 
my dad, he's got, he's a narcissist and he's also bipolar. And so there was a lot of abuse that happened um, before I was even born with my mom. And so by the time I came around, my mom was already a victim. She was already, you know, very abused and broken. And so when we were being raised in this environment, it was kind of like every man for themselves. We all were just trying to survive and make it through this. And, um, I, they were back and forth. Um, they had gotten divorced and remarried like three times. And the final divorce actually stuck, uh, when I was about 14 and, um, after that, I actually moved with my mom and I was living with her, but she was, I mean, it's, it was a nasty divorce. And so there was a lot of pain and anger built up that was kind of misdirected towards me. And so I decided that I would rather go live with my dad because when I was being abused sexually, like it happened so young that I didn't understand that it was not normal. So I, I didn't under, like, I didn't recognize that anything was really wrong. I knew that he wasn't, you know, the best parent and he didn't make me feel safe, but, um, I thought it would be more fun at his house. And so I decided to move back in with him. And, um, you know, then a year later I broke my back and everything. And, and so my mom kind of was able to escape this and she was able to get remarried and move away. And, um, I, I did hold some, some grudges against her for a while for that. Question: yeah. <laughs> You have some resentment toward your mom for, you know, leaving or not being the protector or not being able to step in and maybe stop it or just on the other hand, you know, leaving and you're stuck there. Yeah, so. I, I definitely felt that for a long time. Um, it, it really felt like she let me down and mm-hmm. Um, I held that against her for a long time. And it wasn't until I, I was going through my healing process during my recovery and my sobriety um, that I realized that it's I, like, I can't blame her. She was doing her best with what she had. And um, when it's someone who is like my dad and the abuse is so great, you're so like tunnel visioned. And if there's any escape route, you know, it's like she tried to take me with her, but it just, you know, it it was messy. And so, um, yeah, I I definitely did hold that against her for a long time. And and we have had to work on our relationship in the meantime. And and now her and I are great, like better than ever. Um, But also I was the third child of four. And with the way that the way we all, you know, the lineup was. Um, I didn't feel significant. I have an older sister and an older brother and a younger sister. So, you know, I wasn't the oldest and the firstborn. I wasn't the youngest and I wasn't the only boy. I was just there. And so I didn't feel like I got that love from her that I felt like I needed. And in talking to her on the back end, like, you know, years later, realizing that she wasn't allowed to show love to us kids because that takes the attention away from the narcissist. And so none of us got the love. And so realizing like she was doing it to protect us and maybe it just wasn't the best course of action. Like, you know, there's always hindsight, but 
yeah, it, it, we've been working on it. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've done a lot of work on a lot of different areas. You kind of peeled back those layers and, and you, you've gotten away from the victim um, mentality in, in every way around. And so um, now you're on the path of success. So I want to kind of maybe touch on like from day one of your recovery, what were, what was, what all of it, it took to, you know, get clean and stay clean? Because I know like myself, I, you know, I went through several different cycles, got clean for a while and, and went down this path and just continued to make these same mistakes. But, you know, day one from there on and, and, and what kind of tools did you use to keep yourself from going back? Yeah. So I got clean in phases. Um, when I was at the height of my use, I had actually moved to Puerto Rico and I was, um, doing cocaine. And at that time, uh, when my boyfriend found out, he just, he was very open with me and he's like, listen, this is, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. This is your life. You can do what you want, but if you want to be in my life and be a part of my future, you can't do cocaine. And that like really struck me. I didn't ever hear anybody say that doing drugs wasn't cool until then. It was like I had no standards and he did. And so that was a huge part for me to stay clean from the from the coke. Um, but the prescription is a different story because I had, you know, a prescription. It was a by a doctor. So it was way more valid and harder to argue. And so getting clean off of the pills was more of realizing what I'm losing versus what I'm gaining from taking the pills. So I was able to create tremendous leverage over the addiction. And anytime I wanted to use again, I would just remind myself of, you know, the pain if I do and the pleasure if I don't. And that's actually what I do now. Like, um, being a recovery coach, helping other people get sober and go through their journey. I basically map out exactly what I did to be sober and maintain sobriety. Cause it, for me, it's been five and a half years sober and um, I haven't relapsed at all. And, and I mean, there have been times where I've wanted to, and I have successfully been able to, you know, not. <laughs> and so right. by teaching that to other people, I think it's, it's very fulfilling, but um, I have, I created a method called climb. Um, so we get tremendous clarity. You have to know exactly where you're at and where you want to go in order to actually be successful. And that's a part that not a lot of people want to do getting the clarity and asking themselves the hard questions that force them to self-reflect. Any, it's, any it's, avenue yeah. you try to get clarity on it, it's really hard if you're whether it's addiction or whether it's, you know, what I want to do in life, uh, who do I want to help? What do I want to write about? Like, yeah, mm -hmm. there's so many avenues to that clarity. And yeah. that's, that's, the, that's, that's the key. So continue on with your acronym. I just kind of wanted to touch on that because clarity is, is such a big one. Yeah. So clarity is like the foundation of what we do. And so getting clarity and having it guided so you don't have to go through it alone, I think is very beneficial and much more efficient than doing it by yourself. Um, after we get clarity, then we get leverage because that's the next key that a lot of people don't plug in and they just habit hop. 
they go from one addiction to another to another because they haven't actually solved the initial problem. Um, and then we get intentional. Uh, so the I for intention, that is where we um, effectively replace your old habit with a new one uh, that is more aligned with your life and what your goals are. So like, that's not up for me to decide that's for, you know, whoever I'm working with, whoever's life it is. And so, um, with that, uh, with, you know, everything that I've learned in my healing process, I've learned that we all have the same six human needs and every person who's breathing is getting those needs met. And, most of the time they're just not being met in a productive or constructive way. It's just whatever the easiest way is to get them met. And so we address those and intentionally um, replace whatever negative habit or addiction is the issue. And we replace them with something positive, keeping that need in mind because we want to keep that need being met. And then we go into mindset and then balance and balance is really Mindset, I feel like is self-explanatory. We need to have a positive mindset and we need to have our, like the tools at our disposal for during the, the dark times and then balance because, you know, my standards and your standards are different. And so I want to be able to create a, a, a sustainable lifestyle for the individual and that will look different from person to person. And so the balance part is understanding, okay, what does sustainable look like for you? Um, so I guide people through that program and then give any additional support that they need. And, um, I feel like that's the best way that I found in helping other people get sober, just doing, doing it the way that I did it just with a purpose. All right. Well, and that's a, you know, that's a perfect blueprint and it, it, it's going to help people. And that's, that's what you want to do is help people and show them this is how I did it. And these are the steps that I took. So I see that. And that, that's, that's really good. Um, you have people that you're working with right now. I see. That you yeah. Yeah, I yeah, do. Um, I've got, uh, there's one client. It's so interesting how everybody's path is so different and, um, like the struggles they're going through is very different and, um, you know, their goals are different. And so the approach needs to be different and catered to the person individually. And so that's what I love about, um, the coaching is like, it's one-on-one -on -one and it's very, very personalized to the individual. So working with the clients is, is very fulfilling and to see their success is amazing. I, yeah, yeah, it is. It is amazing. So you have some, uh, where can people get a hold of you? You have some resources out there, I guess. Uh, first of all, uh, let everybody know how they can get a hold of you and where, you, where they can find you at. Yeah. So, um, I have, my website is nicolepolton.com from there. You can, you know, schedule a consultation with me completely for free. Um, you can find me on every social media platform, basically, um, just Nicole Polton everywhere. Um, yeah. And then my email is the Nicole Poulton. If you want to reach out at you Gmail, a, I guess you said uh, Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, those are my, and TikTok. Those are my top platforms that I use. Um, okay. I think I'm Nicole Poulton on everything except Instagram is Nicole dot Poulton. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. Do you have any, uh, any speaking engagements or anything? Uh, in the near future? 
Yeah. Um, I actually, right before our call, just got off of another podcast that I did. Um, and then I've got a few coming up throughout September and October. Um, my goal really is to just get as many, get out there as much as possible, because I know that the more that I share my story, the more it's going to help someone else. And so, um, speaking up is definitely a priority for me on top of helping other people one-on-one. Um, and if you're okay with it, I want to give my, um, the climb method, my free ebook out to your audience. Yeah. I think that'll kind of help anything, anything you want to offer, give away. If you got a, you got some goodies, something out there that somebody can use. Definitely. Uh, um, I will, uh, I'll post a link, I guess, uh, so that they can have that resource and perfect. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. Cause that's a topic that so many people carry and, you know, they don't realize that, you know, if I start talking about it, there's other people out there that have been, been down those roads or that have been there and, and they don't have to carry that shame or guilt anymore you know things that happened to them as a child wasn't their fault and sometimes it takes somebody like you to you know step up and and maybe let other people know that you know i'm not alone and on top of that break those generational habits because this is probably a long line of stuff that's gone on from generation to generation and it it takes breaking that recognizing it calling it out and in, you know, making that 180 degree turn and saying, you know what, from here on out, my, my family and where it goes from here is not going to carry that burden and suffer because I think that, you know, we, we carry that. It's a, it's a life. Yeah, that's a major thing. part, yeah. especially growing up, like having, you know, your parents are a major influence and an example for you. And so if they're struggling with things that haven't been resolved, you're going to then, you know, tack on everything that you get just from your normal life on top of that, everything that they haven't dealt with. So it just snowballs. And so I think that it's really important to recognize when you, when there's a problem and solving it. So you can, you know, derail that snowball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Thank you for being on. You've got some, uh, you've got a great story and we are involved in a great community. All I can say is Try to get in different rooms, get with people. The groups of people that we're with are they're doing wonderful things. And whenever you can come together as a collective, it's just it's so much more powerful and, and it gives you uh, just so much more information that you you could you have never thought of on your own. And so uh, I have a, a platform also. It's the breakoutblueprintdn.com. You can go in there and and join the community. And we're all part of that same community. So. Anyway, I look forward to hearing from you and talking to you again. I want to have you on again because there's some things in there that I would really like to touch on more that I think more people would uh, benefit from. So, Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, thank you. And for the Breakout Podcast, I'm Damon Nichols. Thank you, thank you so much, Nicole Fulton, and we'll talk to you guys later.